1: Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today we are talking about the Walmart Marketplace. And this is a replay of a webinar that I did last year with the Digital Shelf Institute and one of our clients at Acadia, Tom Spaven, the VP of Marketing at Goodwipes. Tom has since moved on from Goodwipes and is now the Vice President of Marketing at Reduce. Um, but at the time that we did the webinar together, uh, he was the VP of marketing at Goodwipes and, um, a, a brand that we work with on the, uh, Walmart marketplace. So the idea is that copying and pasting your Amazon strategy over to Walmart is going to fall short of your expectations. Walmart is an entirely different marketplace channel to Amazon from their algorithm to advertising, to the way that, you know, the way that their customers shop essentially. And this is a trap that a lot of brands fall into is just to copy and paste what they're doing on, on Amazon over. So in this webinar, Tom and I dispel that myth that you can copy everything over and it's good enough Um, and using good wipes as an example, as well as some other examples from our work with other brands in the CPG space on walmart.com. I hope you enjoy this replay of the webinar. Also check out the Unpacking the Digital Shelf podcast by Lauren Levack and Peter Crosby. It is excellent, well worth your time to tune into that podcast and add it to your regular rotation. And now onto the episode.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Digital Shelf Institute webinar. We are going to be talking about Walmart. And specifically, we're going to be talking about a Walmart strategy and how to build out your content strategy differently than other retailers. And I am very excited to have Tom and Kiri with me today, both experts talking about their experience building out content strategies on Walmart. But before I get started, just some quick housekeeping If you have a question, please feel free to throw it either in the chat or the Q&A. We will either get to it during the webinar or at the end of the webinar. And any other questions you have, feel free to throw them in the chat and I will get to them. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Lauren Levack and I lead the Digital Shelf Institute. If you are a member of the DSI, thank you for being a member and thank you for being here on the webinar today. And I am actually going to pass it over to Kiri so she can give an intro about herself.
1: Great. Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. I'm Kiri Masters. I'm the head of retail marketplace strategy at Acadia. Acadia is a digital agency that works with challenger brands. um, And retail media and marketplaces is one of our key practice areas among other modalities like SEO and paid and analytics and social. Um, And so we do a lot of work with brands like Good Wipes on Amazon, Walmart, Instacart, Target, and uh, Chewy. So great
2: to be here. Excited to jump in. Awesome. Thanks, Kiri. And then Tom, how about you?
0: Hello, everybody. Uh, Tom Spaven. Um, my current role is head of marketing at Goodwipes, which I'll get into shortly. You'll see a little bit on the brand and what we're about. Uh, my background, I'm a Londoner transplanted to uh, Miami with during my Bacardi days, and then now find myself in Atlanta working with Kiri and the team uh, at Acadia. I'm very excited to say, so yeah, pleased to be here.
2: Awesome, thanks, Tom. And I know you want to give some context around the brand so that people know Good and kind of some of your strategies. So go for it.
0: Well, I just thought I'd put some of our best imagery uh, up on the screen and let that do the talking. Um, Good Wipes is a is a one of the fastest growing CPG companies. Uh, in the southeast um uh, we uh actually been around 10 years um i've I've been here too so the founders charlie and sam are on a mission to just help people feel good every day um we mean that very literally um we are purveyors of the finest flushable wipes body wipes feminine care um it's a fun brand we don't take it you know, we take our, our jobs and the business very seriously. But you know, the brand, I think doesn't take itself too seriously, as you, you probably see. Um, and, you know, we're on a mission to, um, you know, move away from kind of clinical sanitization, that is really what's in the category right now and bring in an element of of sensory self care. And we talk about bringing beauty to your booty. Um, and it really is our North Star in terms of how we operate and, and what how we can help bring a better experience to, to people. Um, so that's a little bit about good Wipes.
2: Love it. Some of the best slogans you'll hear in this that's webinar right. today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Tom. And just a quick kind of set the stage of what we're going to talk about. We're really going to get in why brands are getting really excited about Walmart. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of growth. So how to think about your Walmart strategy, the unique structure of Walmart, because it's a, it's, not a little, it's a lot different than Amazon and other retailers. And you need to know how to use the marketplace, who's shopping there, what Walmart requires in its strategy. And we'll also talk a bit about product reviews. So really diving in deep about Walmart and knowing that you can't just lift and shift your strategy from other retailers. So I will actually pass it off to Kiri to kick us off. Great.
1: All right. So first, we're going to talk a little bit about Walmart from a macro standpoint and why it's interesting for brands to consider, I think you know it, it's a it's a channel that a lot of brands already sell to on a wholesale basis and many more brands who are marketplace sellers on Amazon are thinking about Walmart. And here is some very recent data actually from Micmac, the Micmac shopping index, And they found recently that Walmart is the highest driver of in-market traffic across all categories with um, 32.8% of purchase intent clicks compared to the top 10 other retailers and and Amazon is a little further behind that. So this is looking at purchase intent rather than actual transaction volume, but quite interesting to see Walmart sort of taking the lead there um, this year.
2: Gary, do you think some of that has changed because of the economy and kind of the pricing kind of strategy that they have at Walmart, uh, like the best value around the corner kind of thing?
1: That is, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think that may be part of it. I think that I've also noticed as a consumer, a much bigger push with Walmart Plus. I'm a Walmart Plus member as well as a Prime member. Um, and they've really built that program out to be much more attractive um, over time. So I think that that might also be driving um, some adoption there as well. Here's some uh, side by side. This is quite interesting to look at. And it's a question that we get all the time is, well, how does Walmart compare to Amazon in terms of volume? And this is uh, this data is from 2022. Um, it would be great to update this. But we can see that from a gross merchandise value standpoint, Amazon still is much larger than Walmart, but Walmart is growing very quickly. And that's quite exciting. It's still, you know, it's on that trajectory. And for a lot of brands who feel like they've, you know, not necessarily maxed out of, of Amazon, but they've, you know, put all the best practices in place, looking for a next growth avenue, Walmart across you know a lot of categories in the mass market is attractive because it's growing fairly quickly and we can see that translate into the number of retail sellers so back in 2019 only um Uh, 23,000 sellers on walmart.com. And this was actually back when it was quite a restrictive platform platform to access. You needed to be a US company only. Over time, they have sort of changed their approach to marketplace sellers. And we've seen a big, you know, spiking growth over the last couple of years as more sellers come onto the Walmart platform and look to take advantage of that growth. So I want to just start with some sort of foundational, just a foundational discussion of the Walmart marketplace structure, because it is different to Amazon. And it is important to understand, like, what does it mean to be a 3P versus a 1P in terms of your total sales opportunity? So here we can see this is, I took a screenshot of my cart the other day, I had six things in my cart. And... As a a customer, it can be a little bit confusing because some things could be delivered that day or free pickup um, and some things could only be sent to me via shipping. And so we have, you know, obviously with Walmart, you have the store, some items are delivered from the store, some things can be picked up in the store. But if you're 3P, you're only selling online And I can't get those items the same day. I can't go and do that in that that BOPUS um, fulfillment method. So that sort of translates into a, 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 a schism of opportunity for a 1P brand versus a 3P brand. The 3P brands really can only take advantage of those app and online sales. Whereas 1P vendors do have that advantage in that a customer on the app could go to the store and pick it up. They could have that item delivered the same day and it could be fulfilled, you know, in a box a couple of days later. So, Tom, I'd love to hear from you. I know that you... At Goodwipes, you've gone through a little bit of an evolution here in terms of your relationship to Walmart. Would you like to speak to that and what that has looked like over time?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll probably start by just saying, you know, we're relatively new in Walmart in terms of a, a major supplier. Um, or I say that, I mean, full distribution supplier. Probably wouldn't classify us as major just yet. But, you know, what we've done is we've actually tracked that journey from being a 3P. Uh, supplier and and obviously being a little restricted with that to having full distribution you know across the country uh with part of our range and we've benefited from from having that one p relationship so obviously that allows bopis which has been obviously huge and has that behavior seems to have continued coming out of covid i think people are you know happy to not get out of their cars i think i saw something yesterday that drive-through um you know restaurants are having a massive boot people just don't want to interact with with anybody so there's this whole like kind of drive-through shopping which is mm-hmm. which is kind of evolved and that's that's a huge thing for us as well a lot of our sales come from pickup so yeah, yeah essentially you know we're there we're still growing we're still learning but um you know we're we're really really happy to have, to go into that 1p relationship and and to start building out that media presence so we'll get into that a little more but that's that's kind of the history of, of our presence at Walmart.
2: Tom, just a quick question. How is the transition from 3P to 1P? For any brands that are on the call that are thinking maybe to make that transition, do you have any like one piece of advice that you can say, oh, I wish I knew this when I was making the transition?
0: So transparently, like it happened before I joined. So ah, I was okay. fortunate enough to so in terms of the actual mechanics of the transition, I I, I do think it was a little bumpy, but I can't give you a, a specific anecdote around that. Um, thankfully I didn't have to go through it, but Totally fine. Uh, you got to come in once it was done. Amazing. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, look, we we we've grabbed a couple of images here, which we we want to talk about the the, the opportunity with online. And I don't think I need to persuade anyone on this call that the, the benefits of it. But clearly, when you just take a step back and look at a, a small brand's presence on on shelf, um, it can be difficult, right? There's very limited control about what you can do in terms of facings visibility branded presence um you know i've given our friends across across the uh competitive landscape here a nice shout out because you know dude wipes have have a great presence on in walmart it's a huge customer for them but online you can you can you can essentially kind of outperform yourself so um the way to think about it and i always think about it as you know it's it's the biggest shop you have and it's the one where you have the most control so you and you know the great thing is that walmart have, have done such a phenomenal job at building out the online platform that they're they want brands to invest in it they want brands to invest in content not just pdps but we're talking about video we're talking about below the fold assets that you can you can deliver the best of your brand and, and communicate it exactly as you want so i love what's written here you know you're limited only by your skill and yes obviously to some extent to you know your muscle and firepower and budget but you can you can deliver the best of your brand, which of course is almost impossible in store. So, yeah, all about it.
1: Yeah, and I I think just to add to that as well, when for 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 brands who are in emerging categories like the good wipes category, um, and then also brands who are who are challenges and and emerging brands, they may not get the you know even the opportunity to have an end cap at Walmart even if they had the budget to do so Uh, but with an online presence that is uh, as Tom mentioned in that slide sort of limited by only by your own creativity skill and uh, you know to an extent your budget as well
0: yeah I mean on that that there are brands that would do anything to to get an end cap at Walmart but they they will literally not get the opportunity because they're in a category that isn't productive enough for the, to borrow that space. It's not that the, they would almost, it's almost has no price, right? Because it's such a huge, it's better than a billboard, I would say, you know, cause you can think of the traffic you're stopping and you're in a consideration shopping mindset, but it's just not even an option to your point. So yeah, it's it's tough.
1: Yeah. But with, um, you know, on the online landscape, there is, you know, it's a, it's a more of an even playing field for sure. So one thing that an observation that I have, and this is my personal observation, is um, as Walmart has been uh, going out and drumming up not only customers with their Plus program and advertising and really ramping up um, uh, shopping activity online, they've also been recruiting brands and bringing them onto the platform. And one message I have noticed is talking about if you do a great job as a three P marketplace seller, maybe we will invite you to become a Walmart vendor, and that is a very attractive um, proposition for a lot of brands. Uh, if you're a mass market brand, getting into a Walmart store is, like Tom said, in just an invaluable um, part of you know being able to access that mid that mass customer. So this is quite interesting, and, and I bring this up. Uh, Not because I have a lot of great data on how often this happens or lots of examples here. I have not heard of a ton of examples, but in order to sort of be in a position to be invited to be a 1P, if this is a route that you want to go by, what we understand from Walmart is leveraging all of these content capabilities and best practices is an important way to get on the radar of that category manager and you know get get on the path to becoming a 1p that is what we have heard so far so another reason why the in-store sorry the online optimization is so important is that this number here Sixty-nine percent. This is the percentage of U.S. consumers who'd rather review a product on their phone than speak with an in-store associate. <laughs> and to Tom's point about, hey, everyone just wants to do drive-through now. You go to a store, and 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 you know, half the time there's not a store associate there. But uh, you know, a lot of people want to just get on and read the reviews or look at the, the product information on the app. To make a buying decision and so this is why if you are selling in stores um at walmart it's really important to back that up with a great uh, online presence because people are seeking out information on the walmart app uh while they are in store
2: i love that metric that's such a great connection to convenience too and ease of shopping right so you're giving the consumer the information they need when they need it the way that they want it, and it's a complement of in-store and online. So that's just a really great stat for, to share. thanks, Kiri.
1: yeah, and so this this sort of gets to the meat and potatoes of of the session today, which is Walmart deserves its own strategy. It has its own algorithm. It has its own um you know shopper profile as well, and your success will sort of be limited by um, you know, the extent that you customize the, this channel. So at a really high level, we'll get into most of these in a bit more detail in, in the upcoming slides, but apples and oranges, right? Walmart is has a very different approach to its algorithm and so visibility organically of search results compared to Amazon where, you know, everyone on this call will be familiar with a nine the algorithm Amazon uses. Walmart's algorithm is very different. The ad platform is quite different too. Amazon has been building its self-serve ad platform for a long time. It's quite mature, lots of different options. Walmart is newer to the game. And then finally, uh, product reviews, quite a different environment there as well, which we'll get into as well. Tom I wanted to to throw it over to you as well since good wipes has a really strong Amazon channel as well um, just observations that that you have once you started to to dip into the walmart.com world
0: yeah I mean to your point you know we've we've built out a strong Amazon business for a lot for much longer um so in a sense it's kind of mature on our side as well and we have more learnings um probably a bit more sophistication there um And I think with Walmart, you know, we're still learning, but I always come back to the to the consumer and and try and find some insight. So, you know, at the end of the day, Walmart is just one retailer. Now, yes, Amazon is a retailer, but it's kind of bigger than that. It's become a search engine. It's become a it's kind of the world. Right. We talk about the whole world is Amazon and Walmart is just Walmart. So I always just try and think about why why people are behaving differently and and how that should inform your your branded presence and and your sponsored work because you know it's different number of trips right your purchase on walmart is likely to be wrapped into your total shopping basket which could have a totally different um cadence and 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 therefore different spend levels different pack formats i think there's opportunities to do a lot of cross Marketing, um, you know, basket building on Walmart because you're just thinking about someone in their habitual shopping trip, as opposed to a- Amazon, which is kind of in an exciting way, but also in a more daunting way. It's kind of it, c- it could be anything at any time. So, um, yeah, we're we're still learning, but we're seeing quite different behaviours and quite different results in terms of our assortment and and basket size, number of trips, purchase frequency, uh, etc. So it really is not a copy paste strategy. Um, And I think you'll get into, I think there's some sections later where we talk about some examples of how consumers behave very differently on the platform. So it's really cool.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this algorithm aspect first. So um, the product listing score is a big driver of the Walmart uh, algorithm preference, essentially. So a high quality listing score has uh, talks about content offer and seller pr- performance. Whereas if we look at just if we simply copied and pasted our content straight from Amazon over to Walmart, we might get a listing quality score of seventy percent, which is going to have a really big impact on conversion rate down the road. Um, having a high quality listing score is also an essential requirement to get a pro seller badge. And be in the, in, in having your sort of uh, name in the hat for Walmart marketing programs as well. So it's sort of like a, you know, you're, you're either have a, there's a cutoff in terms of quality here, and you just won't get access to certain perks without a high quality listing score, high listing quality score. So within listing quality score, there are three main elements. There is the offer itself, and that includes item price, shipping price, speed, in-stock rate, so these sort of hygiene factors. And I think one sort of one thing that we've noticed and understand about Walmart is that item price matters a lot more than on Amazon. So Amazon is really, you know, made the best man win in terms of who has the most popular product. Walmart sort of does... Prioritise products that are lower in price, essentially. So that is something, just an inherent difference in the way that they have set up their search algorithm. Seller performance is another important part. So order defect rate, adhere, policy adherence, prompt customer uh, response. So they want customers to have a really good experience and that is, the seller has a, a, a big part of that. And then finally, the part that's blown up here because it's really, really important is the content quality score. And this has changed recently. So it used to be content quality used to be 40% and attribution used to be 60%. And they have flipped that recently, which is actually really great for brands because we have more control over or it's sort of easier to update this product name, short and long description and images. And the attribution side is all the back end content, the, you know, where it goes on the shelf essentially. And so they brought that from the in-store environment into an online context and making sure that when someone searches uh, Walmart, that they're finding things in the same place that they would in-the-store planogram essentially so this is something that is very unique to walmart on amazon there's a lot of back-end metadata about i don't know if you t- if you're selling a shoe what's the heel height and what's the uh you know all this stuff that seems fairly arbitrary if you, whether you fill it out or not on amazon it won't really make a lot of difference Whereas on Walmart, there is a lot more browsing activity going. It's not just about searching behavior, but it's about browsing. And so, if those fields are not filled out, Walmart essentially sort of you know grades you down a little bit. So this is a really substantial difference and a big thing that we see a lot of brands kind of skipping through is just copying what we've got uh, elsewhere. But Walmart requires this extra metadata to be filled out in order for it, uh, for, for brands to really get the best visibility that is available.
2: I will never forget having to fill out an Amazon sell sheet for shampoo and saying that there were no batteries included. Uh, so <laughs> they definitely do have a lot of questions that are not necessarily relevant to the product. But Kiri, I have a question about content quality. Are, have you seen with the new changes that? any elements stick out more than others in terms of importance like are images more important than titles or descriptions or is it pretty universal that you just have to have a built-out pdp uh from a content perspective
1: yeah but that's a really good question i think that there is some it's not analysis that we have done but i i think that there are some providers out there uh uh, software providers who look at you know what what that breakdown is around images or use of video and things like that there are some stats that we have a little later about you know how many brands actually take advantage of video and and feature sets um which is one piece of it but um I, I would add one on thing
0: yeah I think just on that we've found recently that the the big shiny stuff, is important but there are some really detailed small things that might not be immediately obvious that can enhance your your quality score and it's like it's specific attributes that need to be listed for a certain category and then just not everyone m- m- might be aware of that I mean that's just something to, to dig into perhaps with your agency or or just make sure that you know you're talking to the merchant or a broker just to make sure you've you've checked all the boxes on on the small details as well because they do that counts towards your score and it is eventually to your organic performance so yeah it's just something to look at
1: that's a great point that's a great point and and to to build on that those cell sheets have changed recently too so they rolled out these changes in i think it was in august um you know in in the second part of this year and when they changed the uh the weighting of content quality and attribution they also updated some of these cell sheets so if you're not using the latest and greatest one to tom's point there might be some attribute on there that is not filled out and you may be getting penalized for it so um that's another a good thing to check using the latest one
2: kiri one clarification question we we have <clears throat> excuse me we have is around shelving can you talk about what that shelving, uh, what that means from an attribution standpoint, like what kind of attributes are they looking for from that?
1: With shell, uh, <laughs> um, I don't have like any taxonomy examples?
2: or um, like it's, sections of the store.
1: Uh, it's, from my understanding, it's more the technical product information um, that's going to be very category specific okay thank you so another thing to note here is um that walmart has different guidelines around to tom's point like very specific things so product title um walmart's recommendation is that the title should be clean and concise between 50 and 75 characters and just to give an example from good wipes here um, when we were first looking at the product title, it was lengthy, which is a best practice on Amazon. I mean, it's sort of you—you want to have your primary keywords in the title, and that is the best practice there. And so, it makes a lot of sense when we just copy that over. Whereas on on Walmart, the best practice there is actually a shorter, more concise title as well, and it does impact search visibility whether or not those are those are adhered to.
2: I'm sorry, um, my slides are a little delayed. <laughs> that's all
1: good. Um, yeah, so we also understand that Walmart shoppers actually shop differently, and they use different search patterns as well. So, this is from uh, Profitero looking at um, different search terms on Amazon versus Walmart. On on Amazon, the pop the 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 primary search term is K-Cup coffee. On Walmart, it's K-cups. So also like when when you're building the product content, taking into account what is the actual search queries that are being used and using PPC campaigns to harvest uh, those keywords, um, that research stage, using that research stage to identify what keywords are being used and not just assuming that they're going to be the same as D2C or amazon um because yeah this this is people are behaving a little bit differently on walmart just before we move on there tom i'm just curious if there is anything that you are aware of having seen either at good wipes or past life of different kinds of activities between retailers so
0: no i mean i think actually when you step back and look at this it it makes sense because amazon is is everything you could possibly want and you have to qualify it with a little bit more kind of structured category language just to sort of help funnel it you know where, where, where you need to get to whereas think about it, if you're shopping around walmart and you're asking someone in store if it was a physical interaction you'd be like oh where are the k-cups so you would just you'd almost speak like that mm. uh, so it's just it just it just kind of it feels like common sense when you when you take a step back but i just think it's rare that we would think about that when we're when we're inputting keywords and, and and you know building so you just you just can't map your keyword searches across the two um examples now it might be similar across mass retail like me and walmart and target might be quite similar uh, it might be more similar obviously you know bearing in mind they probably have a slightly different shopper but um no i don't i think you know we don't have too much data on this one for for, for where we are on good but it's it's just really interesting to kind of sit back and see this and, and there must be so many examples of that.
1: You know, what will be interesting as well, and this is like slightly off topic as we see retailers move from, you know, we'll see an evolution, I believe of using search, which is like you said, Tom, phrases you'd never use in, in real life, whereas the K cup coffee um, and with moving towards conversational AI, we're asking real questions like, ideas for for school lunchbox snacks like that this more natural conversational way of searching it will be interesting to see how you know our own keyword research and and content optimization is going to play into that i think that we should be ready for that and it will be interesting to see you know who out of walmart and amazon who gets there first
2: <laughs> i also think good wipes is such a great example because you can call them toilet wipes bathroom wipes butt wipes bum wipes i feel like there's lots of different keywords right mm-hmm. that could apply but yeah. who what what shopper on what channel is you is searching in what way and and what's that conversational way that you're asking for it so yeah. i i just think the way that your titles and your slogans and your keywords line up are, are really interesting because i think it's more natural to how people are speaking yeah. about white. Yeah,
0: and we we have to be on top of this because as a relatively young category the language is evolving and it hasn't settled like so it's even you know officially in a merchant language it's, it's wet bath tissue. No one's oh. typing that in, right? But, but, but it's we we have to be in tune with the way people are, are communicating organically around the category to get ahead of it. Um and I think I think shortly we'll talk a little bit about ways to be opportunistic in in different ways but Absolutely. Like you've got to, you've got to look beyond your Google and your, and your Amazon keyword. You've got to just listen to people and, and you can actually get ahead of, of it and, and get, gain advantages in, in search just by being in, in touch with the consumer. Um, so I think that's a really good point, And especially in a young category.
2: And have the people, process and technology to be able to update those changes quickly as they change. A uh, quick plug about all the things we talk about at the, at the DSI. So uh great point there, Tom. So this is
1: going to the point of uh, usage of the, the newer tools that are available on Walmart to really sort of build the brand and talk about your product and brand in a more immersive way. Um, in many categories, just like flushable wipes, less than 10% of brands are using videos and less, less than 5% are using feature sets. So feature sets are basically the Walmart equivalent to an Amazon A plus page. And it will vary by category, but a lot of the time these tools are not being used. So I, I see this as, a, as an advantage that brands who are willing to lean in and yeah, I see lots of comments about how difficult it is to update these product pages and things change. But um, if you're willing to go to that extra effort and other competitors in your category aren't, then that's, that's going to be um, an advantage you can take care of.
0: I'm going to give Acadia a plug here because I'm, I'm re- I've am I'm i been reading through these comments and it sucks because I think a lot of people have, have really put the effort in and, and it is, they seem to be getting mixed messages or all, all I'll say is the moment we gave this to Acadia, our con, our quality score has gone to 98%. I don't know exactly how, but they did it and they did it very, very quickly. So, um, yeah, uh, you should probably include your email address at the end of this. Uh,
1: <laughs> Well, thank you. I wasn't expecting that.
2: Yeah,
0: and it yeah. was
1: interesting. I I, I feel um, like, you know, some of these questions coming in are quite technical. This is where I have to shout out the people who, you know, are interacting with Walmart on a daily basis, like Logan, who is uh, Good Wipe's account manager here. Um, There is a lot to keep up with here and I I won't be able to answer all of these technical questions because it is really, you know, boots on the ground, hands on keyboard uh, stuff that changes very frequently. And I've seen some questions about, well, you know, Walmart says that this is a best practice, but then we can't actually execute it. What's more important to do? And um, all those questions are really, you know, I guess the I guess the benefit of working across lots of different accounts here is we can see some of those trends. Um, but I do apologize in advance if I can't answer all those technical questions. It's because we've got people who really, you know, they're in the platform every day, seeing, seeing and executing on this stuff. Um, so the, there's also something to keep an eye on here. Is as Walmart rolls out more. Uh, of an immersive shopping experience, we're seeing more of a focus on these collection pages or these sort of like mini storefronts. And that is less of the UI on Amazon when the, the, the shopping activity and the way that people interact with Amazon, even though they have introduced Amazon Inspire and things like that, really like you go to Amazon, you search for what you want. You search for, it's either a problem statement or something that you know that you want or a brand. It's very search driven. In comparison, going to the Walmart homepage or the app, there is, you know, there's sort of merchandising looks and feels a little bit differently. It does kind of draw you in and get and encourages more browsing activity. So this is um, just an important thing to, to note. You do need to be like checking all the all the boxes to be featured in these collection pages. Um, other, it's, it's a hygiene factor. Um, and then the in search placement as well. This is quite interesting as well. So, still, even with that browsing behavior, a lot of activities happening from the search bar. And um, we can sort of get brands, if we can get brands into that search bar there, it's going to really, really help with discovery. All right, well, let's talk about Walmart reviews, and this is an area that is, uh, you know, we will hear mixed, um, story, mixed success stories here. But I, I do want to say that, um, getting getting product reviews on Amazon is very challenging. It's very, you know, it's a system that has been demonstrated to be abused heavily. If there's not very significant guardrails in place. And so as a result, Amazon's review ecosystem has evolved over time to be very restrictive, very challenging to get reviews. Um, And there's no way to, you know, sync in reviews from other platforms. They have to all be native. And it's a perennial challenge that brands have. I'm not, my sales are not that great because I don't have reviews and I don't have reviews because I don't have sales. It's very difficult to get out of that Catch-22 situation. With Walmart, there are a number of different ways to get reviews in. There are some native uh, programs. And then we have some integration with third-party programs like Yotpo and Bizarre Voice who you may already use. And those Product reviews from your D2C site can be syndicated in, um, so that is can be extremely helpful and solve that cold start pro problem that a lot of brands have on Amazon. So just to share a little example here from a brand um, on the next slide that was able to successfully use Yotpo to sync up their product reviews from their D2C site. And you can see from this screenshot here, it says <clears throat> below the review written by an AlgaeCal.com customer. So that is a syndicated review that's come in and their quality score went from 70 to 97% just from getting a, a, a bigger number of product reviews in. This was before the August changes, where they, you know, the algorithm was changed slightly, but, um, uh, yeah Tom do you you've got something to share about product review syndication.
0: Yeah a little bit. I mean we we've struggled a little bit here um I'm not going to go into like the gory details of what was horrible and what wasn't but I will say I think it's just an example of the tech stack you know logically being valid and making sense but in the in the midst of the swirl that every brand you know, has to, has to deal with on a daily basis. It's, it's not always as straightforward um, and it can get pushed down the priority list. This is probably the gap we have to getting a perfect quality score on, on the Walmart platform. Mm. Um, so all I'll say is it's been a little bit challenging. Um, we're going to give it another shot. Um, I, think we'll, I think we know how to make it work. I think Po is obviously the place to bring the syndication in. And, you know, I think we, we obviously have a phenomenal volume of reviews on our on our d2c so yeah we're gonna we're gonna get back into it it's just been caught up in 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 the priority list and and pushed down but yeah it's uh, it's not always as straightforward as these um as these uh tech platforms like to tell you um so honestly um if anyone here on the panel on the panel or on, on the on, who's listening in has a great example or some tips i would love to hear it please get in touch and uh yeah Help us out because we, we've struggled a little bit here. That's all I'm going to say.
2: Yeah, I think reviews are challenging across every retailer, right? And and whether you have a D 2 C or not, it's figuring out how to get them, how mm-hmm. to syndicate them, uh, and how to make sure that they appear accurately on each of your products. So, agree with Tom there. If if anyone has any insight, uh, please share your experiences.
1: Okay. And then we're sort of rounding things out here with advertising. So a few things here that are different to Amazon uh, with advertising. I'll just run through them fairly quickly. So no competitor conquesting. So we can't, you know, if we're good wipes, we can't conquest dude wipes. I know it's a a tragic situation, but, you know, we've seen like uh, our ad team has seen sort of some we're not sure if they were glitches, but temporarily we were able to conquest. So not sure if that is a you know that was a test or a glitch. Um, but for the time being, we're not able to conquest. So that is a double-edged sword. We can't go on conquest, dude wipes or Cottonelle, um, but they can't conquest us. Which means we don't have to spend so much of our ad budget on brand defense. And we can put it towards acquiring, you know, people you know, building a, an awareness campaign or something like that. So that, is, that ultimately sort of helps keep the costs a little lower than it would be on Amazon where we do, it's a cost of doing business to defend your brand term or to, to defend your main product search terms. Um, we don't have that on, on Walmart. Um, another important thing here is that, that the keywords that we're using in, in keyword campaigns must relate back to attributes. So going back to the, you know, the item sell sheets and set up new item set up, we, we we can't advertise against terms that are not in the attributes. Um, due to Walmart just simply sort of being a, a little um, coming to the advertising game a little later than Amazon, there are just some things that don't exist, like sponsored display. Um, and then finally, we don't have a negative keyword capability on phrase match. So these are kind of the, those are quite technical things towards the end, but it's just important to know that not everything works the same on, on Walmart and a different re- approach required there, but the, no competitor conquesting can kind of be a, a, a bonus Having said that, we still really love that Walmart has all the components of a full funnel activation. We have display ads. We have sponsored brand ads. We can choose to be really aggressive at the top of search, like this ad for uh, a search for non-stick pans. T-Fowl is right up there with the sponsored brand placement. Um, and then uh, the sponsored product ads below that as well. So we're still able to kind of do have all the the full funnel awareness consideration purchase journey that we would on an Amazon. Mm. And then finally, something I don't think so many brands tap into is using Walmart display. So this goes beyond just the, you know, keyword targeting, but we're actually starting to now, you know, well, we are able with Walmart display to target different types of audiences, people who are in market for certain products, different lifestyle groups, affinities, interests, um, people who have already bought my brand, people who have not bought my brand. So this is, is, you know, moving up the funnel into more awareness capabilities. We can hone in on certain lifestyles and segments there.
2: And Kiri, when it comes to the data that you receive from Walmart from an advertising perspective, can you speak a little bit to that and how, what kind of data walmart is providing what opportunities there are for brands to kind of get that data on the retail media side of things that can help them better understand their consumer
1: yeah so i think you know it's it's contextual right so amazon is just sort of created a uh you know an expectation of of a huge volume of data and the ability to tie it all together walmart is you know, it's the, not at that point, that's the, the long and short of it. So we have less capabilities there. We're, we're, we're not able to do quite as much as we would in Amazon Marketing Cloud, for example, to tie everything together. Um, but it is, it's a huge priority for Walmart, Walmart Connect, um, and making that a more robust solution that more brands can tap into and ultimately spend more ad uh, dollars because they're seeing good results.
2: And the one thing I'll add to that, because I'm having a lot of conversations with brands now, is in your joint business planning with Walmart, ask for the data. Because Mm -hmm. the more the brands are asking for the transparency and asking for the data, the more the retailers will hear that and then figure out ways to collaborate with the brands to be able to provide that transparency. So as a brand, build it into your joint business planning, ask Walmart for the data and ask what you need, ask for what you need and, and why you need it. Uh, So just a a big plug for making sure that's included in, in JVP. All right, Tom, I know that,
1: you know, as, as a omni-channel brand, you have a lot of thoughts on this, this topic of how do you allocate across different channels and, and there's new ones coming online all the time. Love to hear your thoughts on this.
0: So this is quite a big topic and I think this might hit hard with some of the audience, but, you know I think that a lot of companies particularly larger ones are still essentially going through the same steps in planning that they were ten years ago um with sort of minor changes and more buzzwords thrown in but no, little material change in terms of how budgets are allocated towards marketing objectives so um you know I've been there i've I've experienced that frustration and you know I'm lucky enough now to work in a company that's small enough to be to have to just put common sense at the beginning of planning and think about the the number one thing which is who is our consumer and where are they and where do they spend their time right you have to start there you 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 don't just fill in the blanks on the numbers compared to the previous year you know without thinking about that so um when it comes to retail media like it has to come back to what are your what are your marketing objectives which typically will be there'll be two main ones right there'll be one around awareness and kind of relevance or desire um you know to the, the brand building aspect which maybe it's 20, 30 percent of your of your funding. And then probably the majority of a brand, particularly with retail footprint, um, you know, will have 70% of its budget towards essentially p- performing, delivering the number, etc. So um the question is how much of that needs to be put into, into these retail platforms. We know it's been increasing. We know with some companies it's been it's starting to become the first thing that gets budgeted, which I think is quite exciting because it opens up the conversation towards okay well well now we, once we've maxed out the sponsored product search you know what else can we do on the platform knowing that people are there and then you get into the you know the feature sets and the videos and all the rest of it but at the end of the day it all comes back to how siloed your your marketing and commercial organisation is when it comes to planning because realistically you know a huge percentage of people's screen time is spent on apps like on 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 the Walmart app now like there's just people spending a lot of time there so you've got to think of it as a genuine media platform for driving not just conversion but you know driving consideration if they're outside the category you know obviously if you have the spending ability you can you can intercept uh, you know on pages and on and, and, and you know do takeovers of category home pages. so um, I would take a very fluid approach to it and try and get the e-commerce voice in the big room if you can um, and start pitching for for real dollars as opposed to just having a, a siloed awareness budget somewhere else that you know might go to out of home and and TV, which are great channels. I'm not, not saying that that's not a good place to invest, but I think that this needs to be considered now as a level priority with with your awareness budget, um, and go from there. Because you're missing brands are missing the opportunity to intercept and convert customers. It's just it's just so clear.
2: And I think that stat that, that Kiri shared, the, the 69% of, of consumers would rather interact on the app than with a person to ask a question. I mean, that's a that's a very influential stat. The stat from Forrester around digitally influenced sales, I think it's going to be set over 70% by 2027. So really using stats like that in the big room, I liked that, Tom, with your C-suite, with your leaders to try and explain why these interconnected pieces of in-store and online need to come together and you really need to think about the consumer. So I know a lot of you who are listening are, are the ones that are trying to convince people for more budget, trying to talk to the leadership and explain why it's important. Those stats are really, really important to do that. And stories like this will be super helpful. So thank you for sharing that, Tom. So Kira, you want to close us out and tell us a little bit more about Acadia?
1: Yeah, just really briefly for especially for anyone who missed the intro. So I I'm uh I'm at Acadia. We are a full service digital marketing agency. All the way on the right there is the marketplaces and retail channel, which is my end of town. Um, but we uh that is a very strong part of our remit as an agency is looking at retail media, not even just for retail brands. I mean, now we have lots of non-endemic opportunities with uh, Thursday Night Football and you go to Walmart or you go to Amazon, you see ads for insurance and college savings funds and things like that. So retail media is even becoming bigger than a CPG activation. Um, but if uh, we've got a QR code a couple of slides away, you can find us online to learn more about our um walmart and retail media practice
2: and i encourage everyone to follow kiri on linkedin because she shared some really awesome content so definitely do that as well thank you um, and then tom the best slogan of the webinar
0: <laughs> yes i get i get a moment to talk about good wipes again which is great um you can also follow me on linkedin if you want random um pointless anecdotes <laughs> at the weekend so that's that's also an option for everybody um no look i think as it comes to retail Um, we found that this is a very powerful proposition right because we're not we're not coming in stealing share from another category we're essentially adding to it Um, you know when it comes to usage most people like to combine wet and dry it's a very compelling um, proposition you know value proposition for the customer Um, so it really you know it's enabling us to gain more shelf space to gain visibility obviously it helps to be a premium brand in the category as well to, to get that value up so that's that's just it there's a beautiful shot of our, our four fantastic scents um give it a try if you if you want to you know give them a shot maybe try the, the variety pack um uh, which is available on amazon um but yeah hit me walmart. up walmart, <laughs> hey walmart. Which hasn't got, we, we would love to have a variety pack in walmart but hopefully that'll happen soon but yeah that's uh that's a little bit about us
2: Awesome. Thanks, Tom. And uh, here's the QR code that Kiri was mentioning. And if you are not a member of the DSI, I encourage you to become a member of the DSI so you can hear more about all the great content that we produce. So I'll leave this up on the screen. I know that some of the questions came in that were a bit technical, but I I want to try and maybe cover one or two at a higher level. And then Kiri, Tom, let me know if it's too technical, we can we can skip it. Um, The one question that came in about Walmart groceries. So I just want to cover that at a high level If care. You have any thoughts on it? I know grocery is a really challenging space when it comes to e-commerce, just because of the breadth of the products that you're selling. And Walmart is really focusing in on grocery. Hmm. Has there been a really big growth in that category? Are there any trends you're seeing with Walmart grocery that maybe you could share?
1: Um, candidly we we don't we don't split it out that way as a practice and i think even the the categorization of grocery could be challenging as well i'm not sure i mean even good wipes would that that could even be considered grocery
0: right i mean we would we wouldn't mind that because if you think about you know we'd love to be paired with uh you know coffee brand for example because i think we be kind of relevant but no, like we're we're in health and beauty right now, and it's it's definitely in home, so it's not it's not considered grocery. I I think, I don't quote me on this, but, but I think Walmart has been trying to push beauty more. Like I think there's more margins there. They're trying to premiumize some they're offering, but the the grocery I think has been a bit of a challenge, and it's very volume driven. But I think it also depends on which subcategory.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, competitively as well. It's an area that Amazon has really struggled with, right? Right. Um, so it, just from a competitive landscape perspective, it makes all the sense in the world for Walmart to be doubling down on grocery because it's so difficult to
2: get right. And then the, the other question was around Walmart Luminate. Uh, do you have any experience kind of working in Walmart Luminate or any thoughts on kind of the data that they share?
1: The, what I have heard um, more anecdotally is that it is, a you know, looking, comparing Walmart and Amazon again, uh, <laughs> the data that we get natively from from Amazon and through Amazon Marketing Cloud with the DSP now is, um, you know, really accessible and affordable and Walmart Luminate is like, it, it, it costs money to access that data. Um, and so it's out of reach for a lot of brands, candidly, is what we have found.
2: So, awesome. All right. I think uh, from a question standpoint, if there's any other questions, please connect with Kiri or Tom on LinkedIn. And thank you all for joining. Feel free to scan these QR codes before we end for the day. But Kiri, Tom, really appreciate your time and for sharing all your insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.